For too many years, we've been told to show the horse who's boss, use gadgets, and ride two and three-year-olds. We're expected to follow fashionable trends, like riding behind the vertical or with your horse's nose on the ground, and put our short-term performance goals before the long-term health of our horse. This sounds crazy to me, because we're forgetting all about the horse. In this show, you'll learn why groundwork, lateral movements, liberty work, and pole work are so important in your training program. Plus, how to build lightness and softness in the saddle by recognizing the try and building confidence in both horse and rider. We know that horses are only physically mature at five and a half years of age at the earliest. We believe that collection is not a head position. We know that older horses are not disposable. Walking 100 miles on foot is amazing to build that connection together. And that bitless bridles, California hackamores, bosal and macates can be really useful. We never place competition goals above our horse's health and we know that self-carriage means that the horse does it by himself. We take as long as it takes and we understand the importance of working slowly with the horse to build connection, trust and partnership together and we aim to always put the horse's mental, physical and emotional needs first. So I promise to share all my horsemanship strategies with you. Sounds good? I'm your host, Elaine Heaney, creator of the Listening to the Horse documentary. Let's get the show started. Hey, I hope you enjoyed watching episode one of the Listening to the Horse documentary. Now, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to episode one of this podcast and you get all the info on how you can get a free ticket. Listening to the horse is how I approach all my interactions with my horses, but I wanted to share a little bit about what my goals are because that's a really important part of owning a horse too. So I have three big goals, connection, trust, and partnership. And I'd like these to be to be really good, both uh, on the ground and also when I'm riding my horses. So in practical terms, this would mean in my groundwork that my horse is happy to walk over to me in the field and that they're easy to catch, that they're safe to lead, they're not going to spook if a bird flies out of a bush, and they're not going to try and walk over me or push into me with their shoulder when I'm leading them. We can go on long walks together by ourselves so they don't panic when I take them away from their other horse friends. I can groom them and tack them up easily and they stand quietly by themselves at the mounting block until I'm in the saddle and ready to go. And then of course we can do fun stuff like liberty and pole work and lateral work and lots of more advanced groundwork moves working on softness and lightness. And then in terms of riding, first I'd like a confident horse. I think like pretty much a lot of people would as well. So I'm talking no spooks on trail rides, no scary arena corners. And then I'm looking for lightness and softness in the saddle. So I'm looking for self-carriage and for the horse to literally weigh nothing in my hands. I'm looking to be able to use tiny signals between me and my horse so that no one watching is actually able to see what I'm doing. I'd like a horse that is just as happy riding out in the fields as they are doing garage work or doing a dressage test or a working equitation test. And so to do all of these things, I think that you need connection, you need trust, and you need partnership. And now you might be thinking, Elaine, this all sounds very promising, but how do you apply this to your horse in practical terms? Okay, so I want to tell you a story. A while ago, I was riding my Connemara Ozzy in a field at home. Now, we were alone and we were approaching a muddy gap, which kind of looked a bit scary to Ozzy. And so this gap basically was, it was the gap between two fields and there was a gate, which was open, but then the ground, it had been raining and stuff. So the ground was kind of like muddy and, and wet and whatever. So 
Ozzy wasn't too sure about it, so he slowed down and he started to get worried as we approached it. But instead of me putting on more leg pressure and saying, come on, Ozzy, you can do it, and putting, just building the pressure, I didn't do that. So I went the other direction and I asked him to relax and stand still. And we were still a distance away from the scary gap. So he stood there, calm, for about a minute, but he was very focused on the scary gap and he was just keeping his attention on it. And, but I wasn't going to push him. I was just going to see what happened and just let him take it in his own time. So he decided himself, I didn't ask him to do it. He decided himself to take one step, a little forwards and to the side. And then he stood in this new spot and again, staring very intently at the scary gap. And it, that is something that I've seen horses do quite a lot. So if there's something scary, they want to see it from different locations to get a, a better understanding of what this object is that they're a little bit worried about. So at this stage, like I was literally just a passenger in the saddle. I was sitting there with a loose rein and I was just giving Ozzy time to think about the scary gap and, and to figure out what we were gonna do. And I told him he was being really brave and I rubbed his neck and I said, well done, you're being really good. But I never asked him to step forwards towards the gap. Now here's the thing, and this is something that's so useful for, for horse riders and horse owners, is it's the fact that horses are really curious. They're so curious, and particularly Ozzy's very curious. He's a curious horse. So after another minute or two, Ozzy decided he, 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 just, he could take another, maybe one or two steps closer to the scary gap because he'd been standing there now for maybe two or three minutes and he'd done a little movement side to side and he'd had a bit of a look at it and nothing you know negative had happened so far so he thought he'd risk it and he'd take another step or two forwards towards the gap. So he caref carefully walked a little closer and then he reached out his neck just to sniff the scary gap area <laughs> to see what it smelled like. <laughs> So I'm sitting in the saddle, I'm kind of laughing a little bit, chuckling to myself. And so anyway, so he was doing his thing. And after another minute, he decided to very carefully and very slowly walk through the scary gap. Now, at no point had I put any force or pressure on him to do that. And in fact, when this had started, I'd actually already decided in my head that we wouldn't go through the gap. I'd just maybe give him a little time, see if he could get a little bit more confident maybe take a step or two closer to it, but then that I wouldn't actually ask him to go through it, that we'd go home and I'd try it again a different day. But anyway, I didn't have to, because Ozzy, once I gave him time to figure it out, he got curious and then he actually kind of walked through it, walked through it himself. And the funniest thing was what happened after he decided to walk through the scary gap. He was so proud of himself. He felt so confident and happy his ears were pricked forwards he was marching through the next field like he owned it and i was just so proud of him he just he felt it was like he'd climbed mount everest and he'd reached the peak and he was like yes i did it i'm the coolest horse in the world it was so funny so eventually we got home but once we arrived back i realized that in oliver great triumph of getting through the scary gap and everything i'd forgotten to close the gate that was up at the scary gap so i turned ozzy around and we rode back up towards the scary gap and this time there was no hesitation on ozzy's part 
He saw the scary gap. He marched beautifully straight up to the scary gap. And without any issues, he walked proudly straight through the scary gap. I was so proud of my horse. And so on that ride, by applying the principles of listening to the horse, which would include awareness of the situation and my horse's perspective on the situation, compassion for Ozzy's worry, and then patience to allow him the time to figure it out by himself, instead of forcing him through the scary gap and and he would probably lose confidence if I did that, we actually ended up increasing like both of our levels of trust and connection and partnership, which was really cool. So I hope that the story is maybe giving you some ideas for, for how you can maybe approach different situations with your horse in the future. And one thing I have to tell you, I actually I love horse stories. Like I can never <laughs> I can never get enough different horse stories. And I think being Irish, we're we're kind of known as a nation of storytellers. And when I originally bought Ozzy as a five-year-old at the horse sales in Kilkenny, I started writing a daily journal of our progress. And at the start, he was so nervous and anxious. He hated people. He just wanted nothing to do with any type of human. He was impossible to catch. And it was a really tough journey to begin to prove to him that actually not all humans are as bad as he thinks we are. So there was like every day was a new adventure with Ozzy and I started keeping a journal. And then a few years later, that journal had turned into a book, really. And lots of Ozzy's different stories and adventures that we've had together have been read by people all over the world, which again is kind of crazy to me. And something else funny happened as well and I'd mentioned it a little bit in episode one I should say of the podcast um, about the listening to the horse documentary is in the weeks and months after its premiere I was getting like so many emails with these wonderful and inspiring horse stories of how people like in so many different countries were using the listening to the horse approach with their own horses and these emails were just they were this some of the stories were just incredible and it was actually a friend of mine who suggested that really these movie stories needed to be put like into a book as well so these two books are now published and if you're interested in like enjoying more stories of practical applications of the philosophy of listening to the horse you can grab the two books at conversationswiththehorse.com now in the next episode i want to share a story with you about one issue that I really struggled with when I was younger and how by changing one thing, just one thing, completely transformed my horse riding. So I'll see you then. Bye.